psychologically, your brain tells you you're alone. There's not one person in the world dealing with one issue by themselves. We live in a world where, what, 8 billion people? Think about that. You really think that you yourself are just dealing with this by, like, that's not how it is. But psychologically, we get in that dark place and we feel like that. Like, you're definitely not alone. If you're struggling today, I need you alive. Like, I'm telling you, Kevin Berthia, I need you here. Why? Because the world needs you here. Why? Because you're here for a reason. You woke up this morning. You have a purpose. And whatever that purpose is, the world's not going to get any better until you fulfill it. And the reason why the world is the way it is because we don't fulfill our purpose. Like, we got to reach deep inside of ourselves and figure out why we are here so we can really fulfill our purposes so that the world can be a better place. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Kevin Berthia, the founder of the Kevin Berthia Foundation. Kevin is a suicide survivor and prevention advocate who was born with a genetic depression disorder. In 2005, at the age of 22, he attempted to take his own life by jumping from the Golden Gate Bridge. It wasn't until eight years after his attempt that Kevin was reunited with the officer who talked him back to safety. This all took place at the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's Lifesavers Gala. I had the privilege of being in attendance that evening and recall them seeing each other again for the very first time since Kevin's attempt. Since then, Kevin's story of hope has touched a diverse group of audiences all around the world, and he has had the opportunity to share his story with several magazine outlets, along with local and national news stations, and his story was also featured on the Steve Harvey Show. There's a photo of Kevin standing on a cord of the bridge that was the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle and placed on the 75 most iconic photos of the 21st century. Kevin believes that having attempted suicide plays a major role in the prevention of additional suicides. No one knows more about the darkness that surrounds suicide than those who have walked in its shadow. Listen in for some great takeaways about Kevin's life-changing event and how he is helping others that suffer in silence and giving them a voice of hope. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the honor and privilege of being with Kevin Berthia, the founder of the Kevin Berthia Foundation. Thanks for joining us today, Kevin. I appreciate your opportunity. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great to have you here, and I can't wait to share your story. And I think as we get into it, people are going to understand why this story and this conversation means so much to me and my family. So can you share with everyone who you are and your path to starting the Kevin Berthia Foundation? Sure. My name is Kevin Berthia. I am a suicide survivor first, advocate, and public speaker. For the last five years, I've had the opportunity to travel the world and just share my story. And since traveling and getting to know people and getting to hear people, People, other people's story, I've realized where the lack of the need is in our healthcare system. And I feel like it's a connection issue. We're missing the connection. And I just felt like I needed to create something and we didn't have it out there. We don't have it. What I have in my heart that what I need, what I think we need to in order to connect with people is in these dark places. It doesn't exist. 
and not the form of, of how big it needs to exist. In small forms, it does, but not in a big form where people feel comfortable enough to really open up, go to a place and open up and not only just leave there, but to get everything they need in place before they leave there. I created this place because in my brain, I have this one stop shop place because I know how hard it was for me when I was in a dark place trying to talk to somebody in therapy, then leaving, you know, waiting for a week to hope about meds, another week to worry about just too many different things. If we can get everything in one place and get everybody on one accord and handle, you know, people as they're not cases, then I think that we can ha- connect with people a lot more. So Kevin Berthea Foundation is definitely just geared to just help people, you know, who suffer in silence. Right. Can you share your story so our listeners understand? Because I know you're very public about, you said you're a suicide survivor. Can you share that story about what happened and how you came to even be here today, I guess, right? Yeah. The root of pretty much everything that I deal with is that I'm adopted. And I always have to say that because everybody has a why. Everybody has a root of why they are the way they are. And uh, your tree has its big root and a lot of branches. We deal with the branches and still deal with the root. My root is adoption. Everything springs from adoption. So suicide ideation, young in life. I grew up not really identifying. I'm an African-American man, so it's hard for me to really identify that, oh, I have a mental health condition. Born and raised in Oakland, California, where they don't ever talk about mental health. I didn't realize until I was 19 years old when I was diagnosed what mental health was. Depression, suicide, ideations, all these things I just learned at 19. And I just, I got over it to where it was like, well, I can't have that. You know, at 19, you pretty much figure out who you are already. So I don't need to learn something, nothing new about myself. It went over a domino effect, never really dealt with things. At 22, I drove myself to the Golden Gate Bridge. That was probably attempt number 10. And I literally jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. It's not that I got over a ledge, not that I I literally jumped off the bridge and was lucky enough to have a first responder help me and bring me back in my time of need. But it just didn't stop there. Eight years went on, more went on. And by 2013, I was up to 22 failed suicide attempts. So I understand the dark place. I've mastered this dark place to where I understand why people not only live there, why they stay there. And the greatest part of how do you stay out? How do you remain out? So it's like I've mastered this philosophy of understanding why we carry these burdens of these dark thoughts, why we go into this place, why we can't feel love from our loved ones. All the questions that people want to know, because I've lived in that dark place for so long, I understand these questions. And so now my job is to just give back to society to make them understand so we can connect on a greater level so that we can get these numbers down. Right. I agree with you. And I applaud and thank you for your work and thank you for sharing your story. Because I think it's people like you and even me and my family telling our story about my brother-in-law losing him to suicide. It's people like us that are going to allow others to feel more comfortable about telling their story and allowing others to go and seek maybe the help and the treatment that they need. Now, fixing and that whole process of fixing how treatment is given I agree. There's a juggernaut there that hopefully we can kind of figure out. Now, we were just talking before we went live here to record that I had the pleasure of being in the audience when you were brought back together with Officer Kevin Briggs, the officer that helped you. And maybe you could talk a little bit about Kevin. And what did those 92 minutes that you talk about, what did that mean to you? You know, a lot of people don't realize, like I say, I actually did jump. It was that interaction of him yelling something that caught my attention and took me from that dark place. And the first 10 minutes of actually being on the ledge and being on that bridge, I yelled at him, stay back. Like he could have gave up on me. He could have said, all right, whatever. And he stayed. He was consistent and finally he cracked it. And that's where the 92 minutes came from. It was just that he didn't give up. And something on the inside of me was just, why do you even care? I mean, because he didn't make me feel like I was stupid. He normalized it. I don't know how you normalize a situation like that. He was able to normalize it to where it made me feel like we were sitting on a couch together. And it wasn't like he didn't approach me as a 22-year-old black man from Old California that was over a ledge. He approached 
approach me as a human. So having an opportunity, and I went eight years without talking to him, eight years without knowing he was right. a cop, eight years. If you would have told me that that was a police officer, I would have just, you know, it was just a blur at that, that point. Really, I never, right? I never yeah. knew he was white. I never knew he's a cop. I never knew anything about him until eight years. It didn't later. matter either, right? <laughs> at that moment, it didn't matter at that moment. And then I didn't find out until eight years later during our reunion at New York. And the only reason why I went to New York is because AFSP wrote my mom and reached out to her, and she knew I'd never. You got to realize something. It took me eight years to deal with that day because I, for eight years, I only saw that picture twice. So New York came around. My mom convinced me to go to New York. She never told me what, why I was for. She was asking me, she was hoping that I would just be who I am and not ask no questions because I don't like, I don't ask questions. I just, if something needs to be done, it needs to be done. When you reached out to me for this podcast, I didn't even look at your questions. I'm gonna be honest with you because I just, (laughs) I don't, it's no point unless it's all good. So she was hoping me go get to New York and I got out there. I didn't even know until I was in New York. I didn't know why I was in New York. And I found out radio station called me when I was at the hotel room and said, hey, we want to interview you first about your eight-year reunion with your first responder. And that was, a, I got to meet Briggs for the first time in New York. That photo, it was our first time. So when I spoke for the first time in New York on stage, that was the first time of me presenting in front of an audience, talking about myself for the first time in my life. And wow. it just completely changed who I am. You saw the impact. I never in a million years thought people would have given me a standing ovation for talking about the worst day of my life. And coming off that stage, I started to be a people, you know, coming up to me and talking to me. And the first lady is who completely changed my life. She was a mother and she came up to me and she said, I haven't slept in five years. She said, my son, Jacob lost his battle five years ago and I haven't slept, but I'm going to sleep tonight because I can better understand what Jacob was going through because you told your story. And amazing. Everything about me changed in that moment. You want to talk about a life-changing moment, that is when Kevin Berthea's life changed because I knew that I wanted more out of life and I knew that I had purpose. I knew why I've experienced some of the darkest places and some of the darkest times in my life. It had nothing to do with me. It had, had everything to do with my interaction with helping people because that's where my heart is. My takeaway is always listen to your mama. Always, <laughs> always, always. So I have to ask you, because ironically enough, I have to ask you if, do you know Lorenzo Lewis at all? Do you know him? I don't. The Confess Project? I don't. I've heard the name. I'm going to put you guys in touch because one of the things that you said that resonated with me was about your upbringing and being African-American and being black and typically not reaching out for help. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Lorenzo Lewis and the Confess Project have done, and he's been a guest on our show. He was on our May one of our May episodes. He started the Confess Project for people just like you. Mm -hmm. And what he did and what he's done, and he was honored by AFSP also for his work is he is training barbers in communities of color to learn how to help people who come to the barbershop as they're talking and identifying. And it's amazing work. So I will certainly, as a takeaway for me, I'm going to put you guys in touch because you guys should definitely know each other. I think there would be some synergies there and maybe some, some help. Absolutely. So, you know, I've had some people say to me that in that moment that they wish just one person in the moment of struggle, that one person would just ask them if you are okay. What can you share with those that are struggling? Obviously, you've been there, you've survived, you've had some help along the way. What can you share with those that may be struggling at this very moment? You got to accept where you're at. Too many times in life, we don't accept where we're at. Help is two part. It's a two way street. 
Okay. It's not a one way street. When somebody's in that dark place, we have to accept where we're at. We have to accept that dark place so that when the help does come, we don't shine it off because we need the help. You got to accept where you're at. It doesn't define where you're at in life right now doesn't define you, especially nowadays. Overnight success is everything nowadays. It's not like 20 <laughs> years ago where you had to do so much things to get what you want. Now you can be whatever you want to be overnight. So it's like your life can change just like that. It's just if you're in that dark place, you got to accept where you're at. It doesn't define you. I mean, if you really, really want to make changes, you really want to get better, then you got to make the necessary changes. Like you really have to, you can't say, oh, I want to make changes and I want to stay in the same environment. When I wanted to make changes, I had to change my city, my job, my environment, my relationship, my friends, like all those things had to change in order for me to be on the speaking today, because I understand, I still understanding how important my mental health is. How would you recommend, right? If I'm somebody who's struggling and I'm recognizing that I'm struggling and I want to want to get help. What are some like two or three things perhaps that I should be thinking about doing in order to start implementing that change, right? You can't really flip the script yeah, completely overnight. It doesn't work that way. It's got to be incremental change, okay. right? So how you go to bed and how you wake up are two important things. Humans are routine. That's just who we are. You shower the same way. You bathe the same way. You put your clothes on the same way. That's just how you eat. Like we don't realize Brush it. Brush your teeth with the same hand. That's it. Right? <laughs> We're routine people. Where's the power lie in our routine? How you go to bed is so important because the problem is with most people, probably 99% of people, we go to bed Monday night and take Monday night, Monday's issues into Tuesday. Tuesday has its own day of issues, a day, you know, anything can happen the next day. We wake up and there's new news every day. So if we bring Monday's issues into Tuesday and then we do that again on Wednesday, now we double in two days. Into, now imagine doing that for 20 years every single day. That's why we are overwhelmed. Like we have enough strength we are given for each day. Whatever we not, whatever we can't do that day, we just can't do. It's just how we have to be okay with that. So how you go to bed, how you wake up, those are things you can just start with because a lot of problems are with how people sleep, a lot of problems with how people wake up. That's a huge nugget of the issue is when we don't sleep well, we don't wake up well. Right. If we sleep better, then we wake up better. We're able to handle the day. Google AFSP. They're AFSP in every single state. You can start there. See if you reach out for advocacy, reach out for help. It's so many free therapy online. It's so many now that this pandemic hit. It's so much free therapy. People will give you six, seven different sessions. Google free therapists, you know, in my area and get as many free sessions you can from that person and then go to another person. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's ways to get around it. You can't, you know, it's, it's, I understand, you know, but if you really, really want to get help and you really, really want to get out that dark place, you have to do it. You have you right. the resources are there, especially in nowadays. It's, mental health has hit the framework of everything because of this pandemic. So now we're talking about it every single day. It got commercials and bill. It's on billboards. I mean, I just yeah. you know, in 2013 when I first got into the mental health world, we still was kind of riding the fence with it. Now we're trying to hop over the fence with this mental health push, and I see it. Yeah, I agree. Listen, when my brother-in-law died by suicide in 2004, he would always say, or very often would say, "I wish people understood how I felt." Yep. And you know, we. My wife and I always talk about, you know, especially in recent years, we wonder how he would have or things may have been different if he were around today where it was talked about a lot more often. And I agree with you. I think waking up and going to bed, those are two important things. I actually had a college student uh, talk to me uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. And one of the questions he asked me, he said, I know you're very involved in mental health. He goes, what are some of the things, because you're in a high stress related job, let's say career, you're running a business, you know, how do you make sure that your mental health is on par? And I said, well, I exercise a lot. I try to eat right. And I said, one thing I don't do is I don't listen to like the local news. And he's like, really? I was like, no. I said, 
it's all bad. So why would I put on the TV and watch the news either in the morning and start my day off bad, poorly, or before I go to bed, have the TV on with the news and go to bed with those thoughts in my head? And he was like, you know what? Never thought it that way. And to your point, whether it's on TV or on your phone or wherever, these are things that are definitely perpetuating things. So thank you for sharing that. I've seen you wearing your Out of the Darkness t-shirt and Be the Voice sweatshirt. Mm -hmm. What do you want people who are alone to know? What do you want them to know? That they're not alone. Like psychologically, your brain tells you you're alone. There's not one person in the world dealing with one issue by themselves. We live in a world where, what, 8 billion people? Think about that. You really think that you yourself are just dealing with this? By, like, that's not how it is. But psychologically, we get in that dark place and we feel like that. Like, you're definitely not alone. If you're struggling today, I need you alive. Like, I'm telling you, Kevin Berthia, I need you here. Why? Because the world needs you here. Why? Because you're here for a reason. You woke up this morning. You have a purpose. And whatever that purpose is, the world's not going to get any better until you fulfill it. And the reason why the world is the way it is, because we don't fulfill our purpose. Like, we got to reach deep inside of ourselves and figure out why we're here so we can really fulfill our purposes so that the world can be a better place. I'm fixing this world for my kids, my, my great, great grandkids. There you go. I'm not worried about the, how the world, like in my generation, I won't see the world a better place. Not how I want it. I'm putting the work in for them. And see, that's why I think that we have to understand, like, you know, you have to put the work in. Like, it doesn't, like, my great-great-grandkids don't have to live in a world where they can't be accessible to be able to talk about how they feel at any given moment of the day. It's not going right. to be like, I don't believe it's going to be like that. So I have to have enough passion in my heart to believe that, Kevin, you got to put 40 years into this mental health world. So by the time you leave, you left enough of a legacy to people have something to where you left this legacy, 40 years of, of giving everything you have to a cause. And I believe that I can do it. Amazing. And I, I believe you can too. So that kind of leads me right into where I wanted to go next, which is your foundation, the Kevin Berthia Foundation. Can you tell us, you know, what is the mission of the foundation, what it's all about, and kind of what is the work that you guys are doing? The mission is to help people that, that suffer in silence. I mean, too many people, I'm learning so many people, if they knew that this person was struggling or if they knew this person was, you know, it's like when I go up and speak, that allows people to get these floodgates and allows them to open up their own self. But it's like, if I'm not speaking and you're not, you're just dealing with that. I'm just trying to figure out, well, how can we, I've talked to different clinicians and therapists and I'm trying to put, bring together a whole unit of individuals to where it's a one-stop shop place. That's the dream eventually in life is to get it to where people, you have a lighthouse because my foundation is the logo is a lighthouse because, you know, a lighthouse, right. it, it symbolizes See from anywhere. It, it's seen from anywhere. It symbolizes being that light and, when, and shine and help people not crash in the dark. Right. It's all these different things. And, you know, when I was on the bridge on that ledge, I didn't even notice until years later, but it was, it's a lighthouse that was right underneath me. I want buildings with lighthouse in them. The side, the shape of lighthouses where people can see from far miles away and it, you can come there and it's therapy there. It's understanding there. It's healing there. And it, you can get help with your meds. You can get help with financial assistance. You can get help with, if I bring everybody together, that's what I want. That's the dream and the goal. And I know it's going to take a lot, but why, why have something small? Like, you know, why have a, something small in my heart? My heart's huge and I want to help the world. I don't just want to help my community. I don't want to just help people that look like me. I want to help the world. So the, the, that's, that's everything the good is hard at one point, right? It is. I have something astronomical, but I can't, if I let the, how I look at it stop me, then I'll, I'll never do it. I had to just start. And then I was just like, well, let me just figure out how to get a website. Let me just figure. And all these things just start coming into play. And, you know, here we are and collaborating with different foundations and doing certain things. So it's coming together. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm only literally year one. <laughs> 
So, I mean, to have all these fantastic things happen in just year one, and I'm talking about putting 40 years in this. I mean, you know, hey, I feel like we're in it. We're off to a good start. Amazing. So you've been heard saying that two ears and one heart saved your life. Why do you think it's important for people to be heard? And what did that mean to you as far as saying the two ears and one heart saved your life? Yeah, I mean, because I, I wanted to make sure people understood that it wasn't Officer Briggs training. It wasn't his negotiation training. It wasn't his it wasn't anything. You could have brought me the best talker in the world, but that wouldn't save my life that day. I need people to understand that he was human. That was it. Like we try to think that we think about all these different things about how to implement. Our, oh, I don't know how to do. You just got to be human. You got to make yourself available for people. Two ears and one heart. Like it, it wasn't about, you know, all the different things that the people think. And I think that it's important that we understand that just being there for people is way more important than not being there and trying to figure out how to be there. Like showing up for people is the most important thing. Like people just need to know you're there. Like you can't solve anybody's problems. People solve their own problems. But when they're in them, they just need you to be there. If you listen to them, the moment they get hurt, they get healed. Like that's just how it is. People get hurt. They get healed. Like hearing leads to healing. That's just how it is. So in all aspects of life. So if you take the time to really listen to somebody and let them listen to themselves, they can solve their own problems, but without being in them. But you don't have to solve problems like we don't need problem solvers. Like stop trying to be problem solvers and just be more listeners. Right. And so, I mean, I think what you're saying is, you know, Kevin, you know, Officer Briggs could have had the best training in the world. And if he followed that script, it may not have no, ended up in the same I'm result. I'm telling you, because, I wouldn't have been here. I know 100% I wouldn't have been here. So I guess anybody, let's say I was walking across that bridge and I was in a position where I could have that conversation with you and listen. Ultimately, anybody who would have been in that position might have been able to help you through that situation. That's the two ears and one heart. Every human on earth is a first responder. So I think your point is, and I think it's well taken, going back to not just your situation, but other people who are struggling, right? As much as you see those people struggling, there are people noticing those people struggling, right? But a lot of times we go through our daily machinations, our daily routines, et cetera, as you suggested earlier, and we kind of just take it for granted, walk by them, or we walk past them, or we do something else. We're busy, right? We're in our tunnel vision, looking, doing whatever we have to do, whether it's work, personal life, et cetera, looking at text messages or phone. If we pick up our head and we use our eyes and look around and we notice that, then it's almost our responsibility as a fellow person to kind of say something to that individual because having that conversation and getting them to open up, or maybe they're not ready to open up, just the fact that you say, hey, are you okay? That might kind of spur them into a process where they start thinking about, well, or am I okay? They must notice something. Maybe I should start looking in or is, is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. Having that being okay with asking the questions. Is there anything you want to talk about? Like, you know, hey, if you want to talk about it, I could just listen. It's certain things that you can say to a person that's very inviting will help you get through those walls that we put up as individuals. And until we do that, we continue to lose people. But we love these people because I've watched funerals be packed. I've watched the sadness in people's heart when we lose people. But they're here and they're struggling and we overlook them. We have to do better as far as looking out for one another because we are responsible for each other. Yeah. And I think one thing that has changed significantly over the years, you know, going back to my brother-in-law again, because it was so much longer mm -hmm. ago in 2000, you know, 2004, you know, the number of people that came out for him was overwhelming, honestly. And then the number of people that came up to my wife and I and said, oh, you know, 
I lost my uncle, my brother, my coworker, et cetera. Or they said, hey, I lost a family member. They died in a car accident and they gave us a wink and it was not a car accident. It was a suicide, but they weren't talking about it. The point is, I think that the conversations that you're asking or talking about, I think the good news is they're happening more now than they did 17 years ago, right? We still have a lot more work to do in that regard, but they're happening. And the more people hear us talking about these things in a public forum, you doing your presentations and AFSP kind of spreading the Mm -hmm. word, it's just going to make people more comfortable to engage with a coworker or a family member with those conversations. And it's going to be easier for the person who's struggling to have those conversations. And that's why your 40-year vision, yeah, it's a a bold goal. But, you know, listen, even if you get half that way in your lifetime, you're leaving the world a lot better off than where we are today. So we applaud you for that. And so I would imagine you telling your story at this point, you know, since that day in New York City, that kind of spearheaded that, right? Mm Kind of, you know, unsuspecting mom put you in that position and it's kind of taken off from there in a very good way. How is your story or telling your story, how has that helped you personally? Uh, I went eight years without dealing with the bridge and I went 30 years without dealing with my mental health. So talking about it, and having a picture, it puts it and puts perspective. Like, you know, so I, as I talk about it, I heal from different things and, and I am able to, for one, do what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to help people. Like, I've always had a heart to help people. I've always had a heart to help humanity. That's, that, I was born with that. So now I get to not only help humanity, I get to heal in the process. So it's like a two for one. It's amazing just to be at an opportunity to open up and I'm healing, open up. And then when I come off stage, I get people or inbox or people tell me things that I know they wouldn't tell nobody else in the world. And I'm privileged with that because I understand that saying, telling me that gets that load off of them. It's not about me. It's about them getting that load off. And so if I can create an atmosphere to where people feel comfortable enough about sharing things that I know they wouldn't share to their anybody in the world, then I feel like I got, I do have some, I have something like I got a little something going on here. (laughs) I'm grateful for that. So I'm grateful for any time opportunity. I can get an interview, any type of opportunity I can speak or tell this or talk and really just say my piece and give back to humanity. Like I really, really, truly want to do. So you really turned it into a opportunity for you not to only heal and kind of feel better and handle your own personal situation, but you also find it very rewarding because you're helping others because they're feeling comfortable kind of offloading that burden and having those conversations because you're listening and kind of in a similar boat, or at least you're there knowing what either that person has gone through or thought about. Mm -hmm. So that's fantastic. You know, you mentioned earlier going to bed and waking up in the morning. So I think that's a really good kind of ritual or routine to have to make sure that you're doing that in a proper way. As per, as somebody who struggled in the past and, and talked about it, are there other things people, if I'm struggling besides waking up and going to bed in a mindful way, are there a couple other things that I could do to kind of manage my mental health in order to kind of start getting into a process and a routine to help me walk through or work through those issues that I'm having? Yeah, you got to write down. I always say you need to write down pain as bad as it, as hard as it is. You need to write down painful moments of your life, because if you don't know the painful moments of your life, you don't know what triggers it. So you just walk through life and you just you're triggered by things because you don't know because you haven't identified the painful moments in your life. Like if you could write down the top five things that would hurt you the most, that makes you powerful. Like, you know, you you have to know in this life, you have to know what you're going up against. And the problem is we get in these situations because we don't know what we're up against. Like with the brain, what the brain holds 
You have no idea how how valuable the brain is, how powerful the brain is, how important the core thoughts are. Like, you know, and I think that once we understand this, then that's how we get better. You know, writing down small goals for yourself is important. Even if it's just today, I want to shower. It's just, I'm telling you, people don't realize, like we take for granted, you know, that some people in the world are such in a dark place that they, they can't shower. They can't get out of bed. So if you can make small goals for yourself, make your bed, you know, try to eat something today. Like, Try to go for a walk. Walking is so therapeutic. Like you got to get out in the air. Like, you know, regardless, it's, it's so easy to stay in the house. But if you go for a five minute walk, you know, just, just to let your mind kind of reset. I mean, it's so many small things you can do to get yourself back on track. I mean, we try to do the big things and sometimes the big things are hard. You know, and they can be overwhelming. So if you could just start with the small things, you know, waking up trying to so with, a, with a different mindset, you know, reading, you know, writing, right. walking. You got to give you got to have your mind. You got to stimulate your mind. Did you come to this place where you are now with these thoughts and kind of ideas on how to do this? Did you come to that place on your own or did you do that through assistance and you know therapy or what have you? I've learned everything that didn't work. <laughs> so I'm an ex- just I just do the opposite. I know everything that doesn't work. Not talking about it doesn't work. Talking right. about it does. Going to bed with yeah. a million thoughts doesn't work. I, listen, I agree with you. I think we set ourselves up for failure sometimes because, you know, you wake up in the morning, you have these big audacious goals. But you know what the reality is? If you've never been able to accomplish anywhere near that, how do you expect to be able to do that and today? we get overwhelmed. So... <laughs> Start small, get some small wins under your belt, and then move on from there and make them bigger and better as time goes on, right? The military, they get up. I had the opportunity to speak to the military, and then I had to, under like, they was basically explaining that the requirement of getting up, making your bed is so you have that accomplishment, that first accomplishment. Like, you know, you start the day off with a win. You would a win. You're already winning. It doesn't matter. So that's why it's important. If you just get up, make your bed when you get up, just your brain, it it does something to your brain and know I've done something. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm one of those that doesn't make their bed. So (laughs) I start out with, I start out with different wins, but uh, then making the bed, but. Hey, it's it's all rest of your team. I mean, it's so many different (laughs) little small things. Like you just, it's something to make you feel accomplished. And that could be the smallest thing. Like we look for these big accomplishments and the big accomplishments come like once in a lifetime in life. Like let's be honest here. The small accomplishments are every day. Yep. I agree. I agree. So listen, what's up next for Kevin Berthia? What's the next big thing you have coming up? Uh, I'm trying to, I'm working on trying to get a tour going, you know, like how comedians, musicians, they have these tours and they go to these states, they six, seven shows in there and they go to the next state. I'm working on a 2023 tour. Uh, I'm working on wanting to network with enough people to where I could be speaking every single day. And I always tell people, it's not about me. It's about the message. Like if I can get be speaking at least two or three times a month at different events, I know that I can be greater force in society. I know that things can, you know, it's just that like, I'm not, it's okay for me to speak online. I I had to get adjusted to this. It took me like a year (laughs) or some change because after the pandemic hit, this is all we had. So it took me a year to adjust to that because I'm the person you could put in front of a million people and I'm comfortable. Like I thrive off people. I am a people person. I like being around people. I like talking to people. I like, so if I can get that opportunity, I know that I can be making an impact a lot greater than than online. So I'm that's just the goal. 2023 is just so many different things come up. A lot of collaborations with Officer Briggs, combining both my foundation and his pivotal points. And so we can start speaking more and uh, I have a book come. I've been writing, so I'm looking forward to my book next year. So 
You're a busy man. You got a lot I of good things in the hopper. I'm trying to get it all together. I'm literally right. trying to focus on just getting getting myself there. I mean, I took so many years off and not kind of really thinking about myself and what I needed. So now I'm just like, no, I'm about to be 40 years old this year. It's just like, okay, 40 to 50 is going to be all just me just focusing on what I need mentally. Amazing. Amazing. So listen, it, it's been great having you on. We ask all of our guests the same question because this is the Midland Money Mindset. And I know we talked a lot about mindset here today, but we want to know what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success today? I got up and I prayed this morning. That's big for me because I'm a spiritual guy. So just starting my knees on my starting my day on my knees is always sets my mind straight. When I don't, then I'm all over the place and I'm trying to figure right. it out on my own. And it's just like, nope, nope, this doesn't work because I've been when I try to figure it out on my own, we know where that leads. So just trying to get my mindset on on the things that I need to have them set on. Great. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. And I think it's a great way to start the day. Now, listen, we're going to have all of your information in the show notes, but just for our listeners, if they're looking to contact you, learn more about you, maybe book you for a speaking engagement, what's the easiest and best way for them to reach out to you or connect with My you? website. And I tell people Foundation.org. Or, and I don't say this to be like, you can Google me, you know, put right. my name in Google and all my stuff pops up. Everything, my whole life pops up. I'm easy accessible. So if you're struggling and you don't know how to get yourself on track, you can, I tell people all the time, reach out to me. Like I can figure out I'm connected to AFSP and which is connected to in every state. So I can get a local representative on the phone like, and I can figure out what a, a preventative plan for you. Like, but you can't say that you're alone anymore. Like I'm here and available, willing, able, and let's get to work. There you go. I think that's great and great information. You know, like you, we in, in my local community and with our network, because of uh, the experience we went through with my brother-in-law, we become de facto kind of contacts and conduits. And we tell people all the time, we're not doctors, but we have navigated and kind of know the system a little bit better than maybe Joe Schmo. So give us a call and we'll try to connect you with the right people to get, at least get you on the right path rather than trying to figure it out on your yep. own. I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sharing your story. And I know that, you know, you doing what you're doing and collective with us and uh, all of the other people who are survivors, suicide or mental health struggles, the list goes on. This is so helpful to the next generation and everybody who's listening because it's just going to make them more comfortable about having these conversations, these tough discussions with their friends, family, business associates, and uh, people like you that are going to make this world a better place. And and I appreciate your time today, uh, Kevin, and make it a great day. Appreciate you, sir. Have a good one. I want to thank Kevin Berthia for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Kevin's suicide attempt has become a platform to serve others. Officer Briggs not only helped save Kevin's life that day, but has helped him save many others that struggle like him. This is an amazing story of hope that Kevin shares with all those that will listen. And on a daily basis, he is an inspiration to all. Kevin and his foundation can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website 
or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.